Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Church Podcast. We're happy that you would join us for today's teaching. As a church, we're passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus, no matter who they are or where they are from. If you have any questions about Jesus, the church, or the teaching you're hearing today, please don't hesitate to contact us online at ericksoncovenant.ca. And now, let's listen to this week's teaching. Before we get into our message today, I just want to say uh, thank you for your continued giving to the church. I know that during COVID, it's been odd not meeting here uh, physically. And I, I, to be really honest, um, while our church has maintained a good financial picture throughout COVID, our, our gift, giving definitely went down a bit, but our expenses also went down quite a bit. So uh, we're doing quite well, but now as we start to regather, now as we start to move um, more intentionally to do church online... Um, there's financial needs associated with that. And so I want to thank you for your continued faithful giving. And uh, if you are fresh to the church, just checking things out, I'm really not talking to you. We're just thrilled that you're here and connecting. But if Erickson Covenant Church is your home and uh, you would uh, like to support what's going on here and you're new to it, uh, I invite you just to go to um, ericksoncovenant.ca and click under Donate. There's a lot of information there, a lot of ways to give digitally and online and whatnot. And those of you who are meeting online, uh, one of your hosts will stick uh, that into the chat box right now so that you can go to that if you're new to giving and you're not sure how that works. But a big thank you to those of you who've been faithfully giving throughout COVID. Really, really happy about that. Just want to open our time, or I guess not open our time, but uh, take some time to pray together uh, for a few of the things that are on our hearts and minds today. We're mindful today uh, Today and then now through this week following that we'll be celebrating or remembering Remembrance Day. And uh, we have a wreath up here just to symbolize that and we're wearing poppies. Uh, And so I do want to begin our prayer today by just remembering that and then moving on to a few things before we head to our message. So would you join me in prayer today? Lord Jesus, we're thankful to gather here on site, the Erickson Covenant building as well as online, wherever we are at right now. We're happy to be together and to be enjoying uh, worshiping together, fellowshipping together, learning together. And on on this day, we want to remember uh, those who fell during the wars, in particular, as we consider over the last century. We remember those who fell in the World Wars, in the Korean War, Vietnamese War, all all the different um, ways that people have fallen because of the tragedy of war. We recognize that the conflicts and the wars that continue to rage in this world are a sign that this is a broken creation and that it has not yet been fully renewed by you. We acknowledge that. And yet we also want to remember those who served, those who sacrificed, those both who sacrificed their own lives unto death as well as those who maybe didn't die physically in the wars but have uh, carried that with them into their lives, and we want to remember them, we want to honor them. We pray that you would be close to them today, particularly our veterans, particularly those who are struggling with PTSD, struggling with memories of horror, struggling with ongoing healing and the struggle for that. I know members of my own family who have continued to struggle because of their experience in war. And so we lift them up to you and ask that on this Remembrance uh, Day week, during this week, that we would, we would uphold them in prayer, that we would not forget sacrifices given, not forget the tragedy of war, 
that we would hold them up to you as we hold this world up to you. And we look to the time when wars will cease, when uh, you know, spears and swords will be beaten to plowshares for the turning of the soil, a time when there really will be true renewed peace because you, Jesus, our King of Peace, will reign fully and supreme. Lord Jesus, when we think of healing, we are mindful here in this week following the U- U.S. election that um, the United States needs healing. Wherever people might fall on the political spectrum, there's a recognition that there's deep division in uh, the life of the American people. And as Canadians, most of us at least, some of us are Americans as well, um, but we, we are mindful of our, our brothers and our sisters, our neighbors to the south and we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would bring healing. I particularly pray for your people, for the church. That though there has been ways in which this has divided your body in ways that are shameful, ways that are hurtful, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would bring healing and restoration to your church. That you would unify where there's been division. That you would bring people to repentance where there's been sin that you would restore what has been lost, particularly in terms of the unity of the body of Christ, but also the witness to the wider world, that somehow in these weeks and months that follow, your people would rise up and be instruments of your peace in their neighborhoods, in their churches, in their nation. We pray that in particular uh, for the life of our American brothers and sisters. Also, Lord, today I want to pray for the churches here in this Creston Valley. All of us during this time of COVID and isolation have struggled to figure out exactly how and what and where and, you know, all the, the complexity of this. And I just want to lift up the churches in the Creston Valley to you. Lord Jesus, would you give them wisdom and courage? Would you give all of us a sense of unity in you as we strive to simply follow you and point others to you? and be faithful to your calling on our lives to love you and love others as we love ourselves. We thank you that we have this time now to spend uh, together around this letter of 1 John and ask now that you would lead us and you would guide us by your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to review some basics today dive into kind of square one stuff when it comes to following Jesus, about knowing who God is and how we can be connected to God. Now, that sounds really basic, I know. It is the kind of square one of the Christian life. And the thing about square one is this. If you're kind of a beginner you're a newbie, you're maybe new to faith, new to the church thing, you're, you're working through some stuff, well, this is really important, right? Because if you get off on the right foot, you can go a long ways. But if you get off in a way that might be slightly off kilter, a few degrees off or missing some basic stuff, then it's hard to get oriented. And it's sometimes if you go on for a while like that, it takes a lot of course correction to get back straight. For longer term Christians, people who have maybe explored faith for a long time or followed Jesus for a long time, it's also important that we go back to the basics fairly regularly because it is surprising to me in my own personal life how easy it is to move on and kind of forget about 
square one. Now, let me talk to those of you who maybe have followed Jesus for a while, who would consider yourselves, well, maybe not more advanced because you don't want to say that word, but, you know, intermediate level of Christian faith. Let me, let me talk to you. Because sometimes it's hard for those who would say, well, I've followed Jesus for a long time. The basics really, I, I, I muscled my way through all this protocol to come here Sunday morning, or I'm, I'm, I'm watching this online right now, and you're just going to talk to me about the basics, really? And sometimes it's hard for people who feel a little bit more advanced to go back to the basics, because you might feel like, I'm not sure I need this. You know, uh, some of you know I've, I've started to run. I don't know who's chasing me, but I'm running anyway. And so I've been running for a while, and, and yet I'm still a, a really a beginner runner, and I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. And so because I'm a beginner runner, um, uh, like a lot of things, when we learn things new, we are uh, sponges for new, good, solid information from people we can trust, right? And so I'm reading books on running, and I'm listening to podcasts on running. I'm watching YouTube videos on running. It's really gripping stuff, friends. And so I was listening to a podcast this week by a guy who's talking a lot about your posture when you're running and how your foot should fall and how you're, you should be poised when you run and, and um, you know, keeping aligned and all this fancy stuff. And I'm soaking it up because he's saying this stuff's basic, man. If you, if you get your posture right and you can be aligned and light on your feet and all that, you won't have injury and, you know, all the promises you want to hear as a beginning runner. And so I'm, I'm soaking up all this information and I'm applying it immediately to my next run. And it's going well. It's going well. But in this podcast, this running trainer said, it's really difficult to get people who have run for a while to go back to the basics. People who've been running for a while think, I know how to run. I don't need anyone to tell me how to run. But he said, the truth is, even really advanced runners who can run really fast and are really experienced often are doing some very basic things wrong. Something's off about their technique, their gait, their posture. They're often experiencing a lot of injuries. They're often not breathing properly. But, he said, because they think they know, they often aren't willing to go back and study the basics, get down to square one. And as a result, he said, though they may be fast, they may be strong, they're out there just blowing past all the rest of us newbies who look like snails along the side of the road, they, in fact, aren't maximizing their strength. They're not maximizing their ability because there's something they haven't learned or there's something they've forgotten or they've just gotten sloppy on the basics. And so I just think that's true in our lives even as Christians or as people who follow Jesus for a long time. It's always good to go back to the basics and be reminded of the fundamentals. So whether you're new, whether you're, can I say old, advanced. Hey, that has two meanings, doesn't it? doesn't matter where you're at. We're going to go back to the basics today because it's really important. We're going to talk about who God is and how we can know him for real. How can we experience true fellowship with him? See, we're studying through the book, the letter of 1 John, which is toward the end of the New Testament. And if you have a Bible, those of you who are online, uh, either have a physical Bible with you today or... Um, it's in the chat as well. There's a Bible option you can use. We're just going to keep going through this letter of 1 John. And we've already been told in the first few verses that we started with last week that this fellowship with God is actually John's purpose, not only in writing this letter, 
But actually, sort of before the letter, the whole reason they ever told these people about Jesus and about their firsthand experience with Jesus as he came and lived and healed people and taught about God and revealed the Father and then died and rose again, their firsthand experience, the whole reason they'd ever told them about all that was so that they could be in fellowship with God, so they could come to know God through Jesus Christ. I remind you, verse 3 said, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship was with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And in this first, in this four weeks, we're simply walking through the first chapter and a half of this letter of 1 John, which is all about living true. And that's why we titled the series that. Last week, we saw about how the true news about Jesus, news that we can trust because it's based on trustworthy eyewitnesses. This true news, as we respond to it, creates a new relationship with God through Jesus. Living true means experiencing true fellowship with the God who created us. And I know that sometimes that can feel like a cliche, but when you stop and think about it, we're talking about the God who created the world, as we will talk about a little bit, in a little bit, the God who is holy, who is holy other, the fact that we can be in this relationship with him. I know that can get to be old news, but, but we got to remind ourselves of how powerful, how incredible that news really is. You can't get married by proxy or say you have a friendship with someone you've never really met or maybe don't even know exists. And to understand what this true fellowship means, it means we have to know who the true God is, which is the first place that John takes us here in this letter. John starts with who God is and how we can know him. In verse 5, he says this, This is the message we have heard from him, referring to Jesus, we heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, There is no darkness at all. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. This is a sweeping, definitive statement about who God is, about his character, about his essence. What does it tell us? Well, first, John actually echoes the creation story. I don't know if you picked it up last week. I don't know if you picked it up when we read it even now. But the truth is, John does something here at the start of his letter, 1 John. He does a very similar thing at the beginning of his gospel. The gospel of John, as well as the letters of 1, 2, and 3 John, as well as Revelation, were all written by the same guy. And so there's an interconnectedness, particularly in these letters and the gospel of John, which you'll see us explore some of that today. Well, at the beginning of John chapter 1, he starts with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Oh, no, no, that's Genesis 1. It's in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1. So in John 1, um, the, the, the author, John, deliberately starts his whole gospel about Jesus by beginning with creation. And uh, he does the same thing here in this letter. He already talks about that which was from the beginning. That's how he begins his letter. So we have a little echo, beginning. And then he talks about the light. Well, in the creation story of Genesis, the very first thing that God does is he says, let there be 
light. And there was light, right? Remember that? So John here is deliberately echoing creation. He wants us to know the God who is light, overcoming darkness, bringing life through creative power, bringing all that is into existence. He wants us to know right there, echoed in there, that the fellowship we have with this God is the fellowship with the true creator God, the only God, the God who is over all. But he also evokes God's otherness. When he says God is light, in him there's no darkness at all, he's talking about the God who is holy, the God who is pure and brilliant and unsullied, that this God can't be mixed up with dark things. There's no corner of him that's slightly tainted. There's no part of him that we just haven't found out about and it's really horrible. No, this is a God who is holy, pure, holy light, And there's nothing in him that would be less than that. John wants us to know that we're talking about fellowship with a holy, pure God of light. This is the same God who spoke to Abraham and called him out of his father's country into a promised land. This is the same God who rescued his children out of Egypt. The same God who met these children and made covenant with these children at Mount Sinai where there was rumbling and lightning and all these messages being sent that the God they're dealing with is holy and pure and other than them. And his holiness and his purity was was reflected to them in the laws that he gave them because he wanted to shape a people who looked like him, who were pure and holy in their lives and in their dealings with others. Now, this, so far, is basic monotheistic belief. Talk about square one. And in fact, this is shared by Jews, by Christians, and to some extent by Muslims alike. It's rooted in the foundational stories of the Old Testament that the Creator God is the Holy God, that that's who we are dealing with. But John is saying something more than that. Very importantly, he's not simply reaching back to the old stories. Rather, he's saying, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. Heard from who? He's talking about Jesus Christ himself. This is the message we heard from him. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Now, scholars say this is a bit of a tricky thing because when you dig into it, you think, okay, what does this mean? Does this mean that Jesus taught this, that this is words that Jesus spoke? That when Jesus was wandering around doing a parable about the seed and and talking about, you know, nets of fish and healing people, that he also said, by the way, people, I want you to know, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Well, that might be true, but actually that's not recorded anywhere. And so part of the challenge that scholars have to wrestle with is, okay, did Jesus say that? Like, was that something he taught? Maybe. The answer is, yeah, it could be. It could be that it sort of was something he said and it was passed on through oral tradition but never got copied down in the Gospels. Possible. It could be some kind of summary of his teaching. Possible. John seems to say it's a message that they received from Jesus. Another option, I think probably more uh, likely, is that it's not that Jesus was mouthing an exact quote, but rather that through his person, through his life, through how he Uh, interacted with people and healed others. How he reached and and touched the outcast and welcomed to to his table. The way that he taught, 
the, the way that he lived, that it was through his life that he revealed what true holiness, what true purity, what true light looks like, what it looks like to be God unmixed with other tainted things. And he did this through his very life. And so what the scholars suggest is that could it be that Jesus was himself the message that God is light? And that, in fact, Jesus was now redefining what that even means. Could it be that Jesus took the truth of who God is, revealed to some degree in the Old Covenant stories from Genesis to Malachi, and then he made that explicit. He made that clear and definitive and obvious and glorious, unmistakable in his own life. Well, with that, we're probably getting closer to what John is actually trying to do. Because look at what he does next. Verses 6 and 7, John says this. If we claim to have fellowship with him, in this case referring to God, we claim to have fellowship with God and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. And we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now, John is taking us right to the heart of things. What does it mean to be in fellowship with the holy creator God, with the God who is light, as well as with his people? Well, it's like a little bit of a Bible study today. We need to ask first, well, what does John mean by walking in the darkness? What does he mean by that? Because it immediately evokes things in our minds. As is often the case with John, often, often, often the case, there could be two options. It's ridiculous how much when you go through the Gospel of John and you ask yourself, is it this or is it this? And often the answer is yes. It's kind of frustrating, but that's John for you. He likes to have a lot of nuance. In this case, there are kind of two options. Walking in the darkness could refer to uh, moral evil. In other words, doing things, being characterized by things that are clearly out of step with God's character. Or it could refer to something more relational, that is, rejecting God's revelation in Jesus Christ. And the truth is, John will actually use both of those meanings throughout the letter. But here at the beginning, what is he really driving at? And to see that and understand it, we need to go back to the Gospel of John for just a moment Because when we see things that echo the Gospel of John, it's important to see how he used it in that original context. Well, back in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says this about himself. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Did you hear that? John chapter 8, verse 12 I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There's some connection here between walking in the light and what Jesus has said. Well, let's read on because this will help. Jesus, his claim in John chapter 8 to be the light of the world gets a lot of negative response from religious leaders, in particular the Pharisees, which is a sect of folks, a small but powerful sect within early first century Judaism who were very concerned with purity. And so uh, they were offended by what Jesus said, and they challenged him. They said, 
Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. And then Jesus responds to that by pushing back and saying, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, Jesus says, my decisions are true because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that a testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself, and my other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? Jesus replied, you do not know me or my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. See what he's doing? If you knew me, you would know my father also. Jesus says that knowing God and knowing him are tied up together. And to walk in the light means to follow Jesus. Jesus, who is himself the perfect revelation of God, his Father. Now, when we pull back all this stuff to 1 John, it helps us understand what's going on here. To walk in the darkness or to walk in the light has something to do with following or not following Jesus, the one that God sent. And this has direct impact not only on our fellowship with God, but also on our forgiveness through Christ. Remember, this holy God who cannot associate with evil, who cannot be tainted by sin, who, who, who cannot come into the realm of darkness. Wherever God is, there is no darkness. And yet we know that this God who created the world and created us wants to have a real relationship with us wants to restore what has been broken, wants to eliminate the darkness that has been there and has ruined his creation and people's lives for millennia. He wants all that, and so he enters into the story himself through his son, Jesus Christ, getting his hands dirty, taking upon himself the sins of the world so that we could be restored to him. Well, how can a God of light be in fellowship with people who are so sinful? Let's be practical. How can God, who is this creator, holy God, be in fellowship with you and I? Because I don't know about you, but I'm pretty aware that I do not measure up. How could that be possible? Because of Jesus cleansing forgiveness, which we're going to talk about more next week because what John does here, it's almost like every, every week there's interlocking things. And so just like last week, he alludes to fellowship. Today, we're talking about fellowship. Well, here at the end, he talks about forgiveness. And now next week, we'll deal with a whole bunch of scripture where John talks about sin and forgiveness. And so we'll be going there. But for today, to simply remember true fellowship with God and true fellowship with each other is connected to Jesus Following Jesus who has come in the flesh, knowing who he is and what he has done for us and entrusting our lives to him. And that actually turns out to be one of the central claims, central teachings, central arguments of this letter of 1 John. You see, what we quickly discover in 1 John, as well as in 2 John, is that there are people floating around in the church at that time who claim to know the true God to be in fellowship with the true God, and yet they're denying that Jesus has something to do with that. 
They're denying that Jesus is the Messiah. They're denying that he's God come in the flesh. They're denying that he's the son of God. Uh, However they're doing it, John is keen to combat this lie and try to say, look, you get rid of Jesus and everything falls apart. All true fellowship, all true knowledge, all forgiveness, it all comes apart. Now you'll find this all through the letter of 1 John, uh, but let me just take a sampling actually from 2 John. Remember, it's kind of like a cover letter. He said this, Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. You're going to see this cropping up in 1 John as well. And I bring all this just to say this point. John is writing to these Christians to remind them of the basics, of who they are in fellowship with, the God who has revealed himself through Jesus. And to his opening point, you can't cut off Jesus and still be in relationship with the true God. You can't get around him. There is only true fellowship with God, the true God, through Christ. And so, you can't claim fellowship with God, who is light, and then walk in darkness by rejecting the very person that God has made himself known through, that, that God has, has given us so that we can be in fellowship with him. You know that old bumper sticker, no God, no peace, no God, no peace, you know that? You know, K-N-O, no God, no peace, and then N-O, God, no peace. A variation of that would be no, no, K-N-O-W, no Jesus, no God. But the alternative is also true. No Jesus, N-O, no God. And that's what John is trying to get through to these Christians. You can't just set Jesus aside, ignore what God has revealed, because if you do, you're left out in the cold, or more accurately, in the dark. You can't just get around Jesus and think, that you're in relationship with God. Now, I have an illustration for you that Jesus uh, is like, when I thought of the idea of light, the fact that God is light, and I, I meditated on it, reflected on it, what does that mean? How is it? And I realized that I'm not a real science guy, I'm more in, I like the history of science and interaction of science and ideas, but like science itself, you know, I let my son tell me about it, which he does every day. But I knew enough about science to know that we only see a tiny little spectrum of, of, of true light, right? We see visible light, but there's a lot of other light out there that we don't see. Our eyes are incapable of seeing. And yet, here we have uh, the illustration that John is giving us that God is light. And the truth is, if you use uh, something called a spectrometer, it enables you to see all these forms of light, from infrared and gamma rays and all this stuff, that our eyes visually would never have been able to see. In fact, through a spectrometer, all of the the various things that come to us in light, all the information kind of gets broken down and it gets clear and it gets tangible and it's able to be understood in a much more um, clear way that our simple eyes would never be able to see. And in some amazing way, Jesus is himself like a spectrometer. He enables us to see what the light truly is in a way that our regular sight would never have been able to do. Jesus, who is the light of the world, 
through Jesus, God who is light becomes visible to us, knowable to us. All that we know about God is now filtered through Jesus like a spectrometer. Instead of just a blinding blast, we now get solar power. We now, instead of just having our minds blown, we get our understanding transformed because Jesus enables us to see and to know and to be in relationship with the true God. Well, how do we apply this to our lives? What's the basics we walk away from today? You know, I shared a few weeks ago in our opening series on the covenant that one of our basic questions that we ask one another is, how goes your walk? It's it's a way of referring, kind of a metaphor, even used in this passage, walking is a metaphor for following, a metaphor for our relationship with Jesus. And so we can ask one another, how goes your walk with Christ? In other words, how are you doing spiritually? How are you growing? What's going on for you? What are you struggling with? What kind of questions are surfacing for you? How goes your walk? With Christ, Or an alternative question for someone who maybe is still exploring faith is, are, have you begun to walk with Christ yet? Are you beginning to walk with Christ? In other words, have you started on that journey of figuring out who Jesus is and following him? Maybe not sure yet, but you're already following him as you are exploring further. And so it's a question that we've asked one another. And, and so in light of that question, In light of the challenge of today, I want to offer you a specific exercise for you to take with you this week and to to, to do it. This is really concrete application. First thing is, take some few minutes, 10, 15 minutes, take out a sheet of paper and brainstorm everything you know about God. (laughs) No, I I mean it. Like literally, sit down and say, what do I know? What do I believe? What do I think is true? about God. Write it down. Jot, 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 jot. Everything, everything comes to you. What, what's true about God? And when you've kind of exhausted what you think, take another pause because some more stuff will come to you. And then brainstorm. Get a big list. A couple pages maybe even. Write until your hand is tired. Brainstorm everything you know about God. Do a big brain dump. Then apply a Jesus filter to that. Look at your list the things you've written down, and circle everything on that list that you know is connected to the person of Jesus. Either coming out of the Gospels or the New Testament teaching that follows about Jesus. And so make that connection. Now, if you're newer to the story, you may think, well, I think it said that somewhere. That's okay. Maybe that's right. Put a question mark or something, something you can explore down. But circle everything you're pretty sure comes from Jesus because you've heard about, read about, know this story of, this teaching of, about Jesus. That's how it's connected. Jesus is a healer or God loves to heal people. Circle that. Well, it's obvious because Jesus heals people. Something like that, you know? So circle everything that you know is connected to Jesus and try to make a note of where or how you know that. Then, look at what your li- what's still on your list. What's on your list that doesn't quite connect? Like, I thought that was true about God, but now that I think about it, I'm not exactly sure how that's connected to Jesus. Maybe draw a couple lines under that. Put a square around it or something. What on that list stands in contrast to Jesus? There might be something you actually wrote down that you thought was true. Um, and, and you realize, now that you step back and think about it, maybe that's... I'm not sure how that is connected to Jesus. Note that. And then, as you've identified the things that are connected to Jesus, the things on your list that aren't, or you're not easy to see it, then sit back and reflect on that. What is that? 
How much of my understanding of God has been filtered through Jesus? Or, or are there things that I think about God that somehow have come to me through a cultural idea, through an old story, through um, some kind of philosophical idea that have been handed down to me but actually haven't been vetted through Christ, haven't been filtered through the spectrometer of Jesus. And so as a result, they need to be called into question. Because the teaching of the New Testament is very clear. The teaching of 1 John is clear. Everything we know about God has to be filtered through Christ. And so what is it on that list that needs to be understood or re-understood? After you've done that for a few minutes, I invite you to offer that list to God, to Jesus. To just say, Jesus, you can see what's on this list. I want to understand God more through you. Here's where I am. Here's an honest picture of what I think. I've been as honest as I can be. Would you help me sift through what is true on this list and what is not true so that I can more fully understand you, so that I can more fully understand God and experience the fellowship that you desire? Now, that's a great exercise for anyone to do. And I offer you a concluding exercise that some of you might want, kind of an optional secondary exercise. And that would be this, that after you're all done that, that you should write a letter expressing your gratitude to God for how he has revealed himself in Jesus. You cap it all off with a letter of gratitude, which is like worship. It's like a form of prayer or worship where you simply write a letter expressing your gratitude to God for his revelation to us in Jesus, the way he's revealed himself through Jesus Christ. This is the basics, folks. How we know God, how we are brought into fellowship with him is through Jesus Christ. And being in fellowship with God, who is light, means walking in the light of Jesus Christ. And today as we close, we celebrate that. We celebrate Jesus. We celebrate the God who is light, who who wants to be in fellowship with us, who is in fellowship with us, who did everything possible to reveal himself to us, so much so that he came in Jesus that he lived among us, that he suffered, that he died to make his life available to us so that the God who is light could actually eliminate our darkness without eliminating us, (laughs) could forgive us and cleanse us and bring us into true relationship. Now, I know this morning, maybe this was a bit uh, more like a Bible study, a bit more teaching. Uh, Maybe even some of it went past you too quick. I don't know. But remember this, at the heart of it all, at the heart of creation, at the heart of the point of the whole meaning of the universe is that God would have fellowship with us, that we would be reunited with him through Jesus, that this holy creator God would actually enjoy a life with us who have been washed clean, who have been brought into the light, brought into union with him, who is not only light, but as we discover in our own lives and even in First John as we continue, this God who is light, who is also love, love, love all the way through. I want to invite Amanda and Brian and Mike to come back up and we're going to celebrate this. We're going to celebrate him, the Jesus who is at the very center of this revelation of God, that this fellowship that we enjoy that we celebrate. He is the very cornerstone of our faith. Thank you for listening. 
We hope today's teaching provided you with life-changing truth and valuable insight. We hope you've learned of some practical steps forward in your spiritual journey, whether you're finding Jesus for the first time or you have been following him for years. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by what you heard today? We invite you to share this podcast so they can be encouraged, too. For more information or to ask more questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for the Erickson Covenant Church.